intro what's up everybody so i did uh just talk to my dad for my first uh guest on my podcast i brought all my equipment and i came down to the esquire club and we just had a little conversation about a little bit of his life a little bit of his family and i think it turned out really good we talked for about about a half hour so with that all being said let's uh let's get to it hope you enjoy the podcast cue that music um, welcome uh, to the whatever <laughs> The Ride or Die Podcast Yeah Say it The Ride or Die Podcast Hi dad Hello, Matthew Marsh. How are you today? I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to spend this time with you <laughs> yeah. and see what we can or can't talk about. Right. Well, you just got back from the hospital and you were there for like three hours, it seemed like. Five hours I was up there. I was up there at seven o'clock. I just got back here at noon and, and it, it was just um, tests. Um, I did a little <clears throat> calcium test on my heart and it showed high. So then the doctor ordered... A stress test and an echo test and a few other things. So uh, that was my my whole morning. And you just had you just had your birthday the other day. You're sixty seven. Sixty seven years old. Yes, sir. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad I can still have birthdays. Yeah, bring the mic a little bit closer. I'm glad I can still have birthdays. You know, those big numbers <clears throat> sort of mess with your head a little bit, but. You know, the, old, the more birthdays you have, that's the more blessings that you get. Right, right. And you, I was kind of bummed that you uh, canceled the your motorcycle run. Well, my first year that we did my birthday run was 1980 from DJ's Bar. Right down around the corner here from the Esquire Club, there was a little bar there. And I've never canceled one yet until this year. <clears throat> and I think we've probably ridden in weather quite similar to what we had this Saturday. But at 67 and 40 years of doing the ride, I figure I have nothing to prove to anybody that I could do it. Yeah. And if there would be something mishap, you know, your reflexes are slow and you're, you're cold and you're you know, miserable. And if there would have been a mishap, my birthday would not be a birthday run anymore, but it could be remembered for something else. Right, something a little bit more attractive, especially if there's a lot of newer riders coming out, the younger and, riders and... <clears throat> thinking they can do it and I, i've i've ridden in pouring rain and it sucks it's, it's not fun and then if one person pulls over and you don't see that other person pull over in front of you and yeah it can th- th- bad things can happen fast and the young people are the ones that feel they have to prove something to the older people so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but i do remember one year <clears throat> we went to a bachelor party in livingston montana and woke up to snow and it was a miserable snowy ride, rainy ride, and uh, we got to Miles City and we finally called to Dickinson for a ride. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You just leave the bikes there then? No, they came with a trailer. Oh, really? But you know, you buy those little hand warmers that you shake up and make your hands warm. Mm-hmm. You know, once they get wet, they don't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Right. Because they need o- they need oxygen to uh, heat up. So, uh, you used to because uh, I, I work on a drilling rig and you worked on a drilling rig for how long? One week. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how, how did your one week experience go with uh on a drilling rig it was all a learning experience up to that then everything is new and big and you know it's exciting to be out there and just see the strength and the power that those machines have to drill mm-hmm. 
you know, and um, we were moving some collar with a, oh, what's it called? <clears throat> Pick it up and move a, it over. A, a tugger? I, no, I don't, I don't remember what it was called anymore. But anyway, the it slipped and it bounced on the floor of the, the rig floor. Rig floor. And it landed on my driller's foot and took off part of his, some of his toes and, and that, stuff. That was G- Jeff? Glenn. Glenn, Glenn, because <coughs> I actually, I met Glenn when I worked, when I used to be a welder right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he went out the, the, the V-door and went down the beaver slide, so I jumped out after him, and nobody ever told me how to go down that. And about halfway down, I said, holy crap, I'm going pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to the bottom, and I rolled down the catwalk, and I jumped off to run over to him, and uh, my foot was really squishy, and I had broken my ankle. Oh, no. So <laughs> anybody that's listening, a beaver slide is uh, what we bring a pipe to the rig floor. It's about 40 feet tall, and it's, it's fairly steep. So it's, it was a long drop to a, a flat surface, and, yeah, I can just about imagine how uh, fast you were going. I've always wanted to run up one, but it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, anyway, so... I went over to one of the other hands there, and I told him, I said, Jake, I think I broke my leg. And he says, well, go lay underneath that, um, where they um, had all the drill pipe. Pipe racks. Pipe racks. Go lay into the pipe racks, because when the ambulance comes in, I don't want them running you over. (laughs) And now I got two of you to deal with. (laughs) And uh, Jake was my, uh, my first pusher. Was he your pusher at the time? I don't believe he was a pusher at that time. I don't know. Maybe he was. Yeah, I don't know. And that was with neighbors. Yep, that was with neighbors. That's funny. So you've uh, you've got uh, opportunities to uh, travel around the world. How many? I think I asked you before. How many countries have you been to? I don't know, twenty-two or something like that. Twenty-two. I don't remember anymore? What's your, what was your favorite place you've been so far? Oh, they all have so many amazing memories. You know, I was in China five times. I got to see the Great Wall, and that yeah. was interesting to see the the clash of the cultures, where you have a few of the wealthy, and and you know, basically where our country is going to. You have a uh, eliminating the middle class and you have the poor class and the rich class going to Cuba was another thing just like that. I mean, amazing. Croatia is probably one of the most beautiful countries I was in. I've been there three times. Yeah. Um, you know, every place, the people, and the thing is everybody, no matter where you're at, the person, common person, all they want is to provide for their family. They don't care about the government and they don't care about, you know, religion is a somewhat of an important part, but everybody, person's common thing is to wish the best for their family yeah and that that should be everybody that's that should how everybody should uh live their life not worry about social media status the only status you should worry about is your family status so but yeah but speaking of family do you got a a fairly large family well you're part of it i am part of it i'm part of the the best part of it if if you're gonna ask me right in the middle yeah number four so you had uh eight children me being a twin what is it like to raise such a more than an average family, size family? Well, I mean, there were struggles, you know, financial struggles, mm-hmm. especially since you all went to parochial school, private school. Um, you know, just trying to keep, be fair with everybody, but nothing in life is fair. Um, you know, a lot of joys. The hardest part was, in the industry that we're in, in the hospitality industry and, and running a bar, I was never home, so all the workload fell on your mother. Yeah. You know, so I would get home at 2 in the morning and um, go to bed, and you guys would get up to go to school at 8, so mom would make you guys breakfast, and you guys would bring me breakfast in bed in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And 
Or if you'd go and maybe I'd see you after school for a little bit when you stop by to tell me hello and, you know, go to some of your events. But, I mean, for the most part, your mom did all the work. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's, that's very much true. Uh, I always remember waking up and asking if you had any cash and checking out your tip pocket in <laughs> your pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, you, then, and then when, when you guys finally all graduated, when after Marcus graduated, I wasn't getting breakfast in bed anymore, and I couldn't understand why. And <laughs> your mom said, well, I made the kids breakfast, and I had your breakfast, and it was just nice that they could bring it up to you mm-hmm. and tell you good morning before they left. And so um, that part of your life is over with. Well, your grandkids don't bring you breakfast anymore? Because they usually hear around here, you're babysitting them. Yeah, I'm, but, you know, I'm upstairs and they're down here, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So um, being a parent, what, what was, like, the like your proud moments between the kids? No, and just whatever random memory, doesn't matter which one. We should probably name, I got, so we got a family of eight kids. There's uh, Marissa, Miranda, Mariah, Matthew, Marley, Max, Marina, Marcus, all M's, all seven letters. It's a, uh, okay, how did that all come about? How did the, <clears throat> the naming? Well, that is another thing of your mother's. If Marissa would have been a boy... Her name would have been Bo Charles. Bo Charles. If Miranda would have been a boy, her name would have been Bo Charles. <laughs> Since we had a Marissa, and then we picked, well, Miranda, we have a Missy and a Mandy, which nobody ever called them. Their names was always Marissa and Miranda. And then Mariah came along, and it's just like, well, at this point, we're all M's and um, seven letters, so that was just your mom's way of... Yeah. Yeah, there's Marissa Mariah, Marissa Miranda Mariah, and then you had your perfect child, me, and then Marley tagged along with. Yep. <laughs> that was, um, you know, some of my prouder moments, I suppose, was when I was in the delivery room with, with your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, counting fingers and toes. Yeah. Yeah, you, do, uh, you don't count the same amount as toes and fingers as they do, do you? Well, no. Yeah, you, so my dad lost his fingers in a... What did you say? What was that? Table saw accident? Yes. You want to tell that story? <clears throat> well, that was you twins, Matthew and Marley, were my youngest two children at the time, and they were in the house with my father. And I was doing a little bit of work at, in the shop, um, some trim work and stuff that I was, you know, just making my shop a little fancier. And then I was going to go out and milk the cows. And um, your mother was in town shopping. And um, I had ripped some, too. You know, one of the first rules of running a saw is, you know, you always adjust your blade before every cut. What, what kind of saw? A, like ta- a, a table saw. A table saw? You always adjust your blade. Well, you know what? I was in a hurry, and I'd ripped some two-by-fours, and then there was one piece of quarter-inch plywood that I wanted to cut that I kept forgetting about, so I thought of it, and I was pushing it through with my... didn't adjust my blade. Pushing it through with my right hand, and something caught the corner of my eye, a movement where I thought maybe there was a mouse or something in the shop. So I stopped, and I turned and brought my hand up over the blade, which if it would have been adjusted, it never would have happened. But it slammed it down and um, took off my fingers. <laughs> did you find them all? I didn't look, but no, they did not. <laughs> in fact, I think one of the cats found one of them. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, those feral cats at the farm. Gross. Jesse, uh, my girlfriend, always wants to bring a cat, and it's like, no, no cats for me. So uh, one of my the funniest moments I had growing up, I played sports uh, in high school, and I remember coming out to a game, and there's, a, there's you sitting there with a giant picture of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the funny thing is, I was so embarrassed, but 
the next game, all the other parents had their kids on their uh, on the, their face on their shirts. So that was super funny. I always found it funny. Uh, maybe it was a year junior year we went to state when he did the the red mohawk. Yep. Uh, and th- that wasn't that the bad if we got to state you would. Uh, you once came and asked me if you can. Sh- it was Thanksgiving if I could if you guys could shave my head. Yeah. If you guys want to shave my head, shave my head. So you guys. Shaved my head, and then um, basketball season came, and you came and asked me. He says, if we go to state, will your hair be long enough to go there with a mohawk, a red mohawk? And I says, <laughs> it'll be long enough for a red mohawk. Yeah. So it wasn't a bet or anything. It was just an agreement that okay. if you go to state, because a bet's got two sides, and you had nothing on your side if you'd lost. Yeah, but I'm a kid. So I was a kid. So <laughs> A junior, which is pretty much an adult. <laughs> no, juniors are not adults. They're just... Older kids. Well, they think they're adults. Well, yeah, we did think we're adults. I'm, I'm 35, and I still think I'm a kid. <laughs> yep. Well, your thoughts have changed. Anyway, so yeah, so we shaved the mohawk and we bleached it and dyed it red. Yeah. We eventually turned pink and orange, but yeah, it was red for the game. <laughs> uh, so you've uh, owned the Bernie's Esquire Club here in Dickinson, and you've owned it for 33 years now. 34 because it was 1987 that we bought it 1987 okay and how how does how's owning a a bar ups and downs because people always tell me oh that must be a good business and i remember like summertime is your slow time too summer times are difficult <clears throat> you know your days are longer people are outside you know the weekends they go to the lake or whatever i mean their bags are packed and when they get home from work on friday they're in the truck and taking off mm-hmm. um you know, granted, you don't have the same expenses. Your your heat's not running twenty four seven. Your you know your lights are not as much. But yeah, and if in the summertime people are out in their yard, if they do come out, it's ten o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. You know, where so. when the where the sun's going down almost. Yeah. yeah. Are you are you ha- happy with the decision? Because you did not buy the bar for a a lifelong career. No, it was not a life. Didn't think anything about it other than the fact that I had cut my fingers off and I could not take the cold. Weather, you know, feeding cattle and stuff. So we've looked for an inside job, you know, and something to support my family with. Mm-hmm. I never gave it any thought about that it was going to be a lifelong, lifelong thing. And now looking back at it, even though I've had a lot of good times, good memories, good friends, um, something, you know, memories that are irreplaceable. In the same respect, at this point, when you own your own building, business, you really don't set anything yourself aside for you when you're old and you know to retire yeah so we have nothing left to retire on um so having a job with retirement and benefits and stuff like that would have definitely been a plus. yeah something with like 401k <laughs> and whatnot and hours where i could have spent time at home with the family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and a lot of young people come to me and asking me about starting their own business and pluses and, and minuses and um all especially hospitality businesses but all businesses if you're going to be successful in your business it will be a prison Mm -hmm. and you to be successful you will probably put more time and energy into making that business successful than you will to making your home life successful yeah yeah that is a big difference uh so you're basically saying if you want to start a job make it a side job well yes and no um you know, there's definitely pluses, and, and and I did love my life and, and the time that we had in the bar, but it takes away from your family. Yeah, but you're and oh. a side job will do that to you too. Yeah, yeah, oh for sure. Uh, but uh, 
all of us kids worked at the bar, didn't we? Yes, at, every, one, at one point or not? Every, every one of you had your break in time at the bar. I mean, you all had little jobs that you had to do. I mean, carrying out the garbage, washing off the tables, the, the stands underneath the tables. You all had to have some chores. You know, growing up on a farm, you would have had chores, but mm -hmm. you didn't have that anymore. And to sh teach some responsibility... You know, that's one of the reasons we started the lemonade stand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I, used to get, I used to get good ticks. I think the, the biggest payday I did, because we used to work out there in like two-hour periods, maybe maybe four-hour periods, just right outside the bar. And it'd be funny because people would come out, get a dollar of lemonade, and come back, and they'd put a shot of whatever in it. Yeah, yeah. At least that's what I assumed they were doing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know why all these people were coming out from the bar and, you know. And lemonade. But, you know, that taught you guys the responsibility of having your schedules. Mm -hmm. It taught you how to make change and count money. And it taught you to have conversation with people. And, um, and if you needed to switch your shift, you had to get along with your brothers or sisters or somebody to, to make that. Take it over, yeah. Because yeah, that lemonade stand, we, it was, we had it open for, what, almost seven hours, six hours a day? Yeah, I think some, from like 10 o'clock till 3 o'clock or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was always fun. I know uh, all the grandkids, for the most part. I know Rayleigh has come to Dickinson every once in a while. She don't get down very often, but she's had to work the lemonade stand, too. Yeah, we run it a little bit during the first on first and stuff, but we don't keep it open all day like we did. We, like we used to. Yeah, traffic traffic is a lot different than what it used to be when uh, I was growing up in the early 90s. Yep. Yeah, so uh, so I got a fight coming up here in August, August 14th, uh, I, I always wondered, what did you uh, think about me fighting and having a, like a little combat career? Um, <clears throat> as a parent, I mean, I'm proud of everything you've accomplished and, and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for for um, staying focused and practicing. Um, but I mean, as, once you're in the ring, I mean, we're nervous. Yeah, yeah. But it, the dis discipline that you have learned from your your MMA stuff and your jujitsu, my martial arts, yeah. The, the discipline that it teaches you is you know so valuable, and it's changed who you are as a person a lot. Way it's mm -hmm. made you much more responsible, and so I mean, I'm very proud of all that. You know, and yeah, I'm definitely going to try and see, see if I can make it to that fight there in Fargo. You know, yeah, it'd be fun. I'd, uh, I'm uh, I'm excited. For it. I, I gotta get I get excuse me. Uh, I have to get work off for it though, which kind of sucks because now. Uh, I'm out of a little bit of my paycheck for hours. And that's another thing that bothers me too. If you'd get injured, that would take your paycheck away also. Mm, yeah, I just won't get injured or won't let them know I'm injured. <laughs> I've, so you are what, 30? 30, 35. 35. And so, I mean, what is the length of a period that you feel you can do MMA fighting? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like like at a, a I will never get to a high standards like a UFC or Bellator not anymore at least and even with my schedule the way it was working two weeks on two weeks off and still training and not training and but local fights I think you know I've never fought in Fargo so I want to fight in Fargo and my last fight was televised so I was like yeah I gotta try a televised fight uh, if they'd ever have fights back in Dickinson I'd I'll say yeah because you know I right now I can get paid. Because when I talk to the promoter, I say, hey, you know, I got to take time off work. You got to co compensate for that. And that's what they usually do. Like, so. So then you're 35 and 
Do you know anything about your opponent? Is he your age, tall, short? Actually, my my opponent, I just told you the story yesterday. I just met him. And if it pans out, the guy's name is Mark Hommel. Super cool dude. Uh, we had a pretty good conversation. He's from Brainerd, Minnesota. And uh, when I was in Des Moines, I met him. And it was just so random where I kind of hurt my shoulder and I wasn't going to do my uh, gi matches anymore. And I was talking to this guy and he's like, yeah, I wish I would have signed up for the gi matches. Like, hey, man, just take my spot. And it panned out where he, my, the spot that I paid for, he could take over. And then I got home from, into Fargo and my uh, boxing coach was like, oh, we got an appointment for you. And he's like, his name's Mark Hummel. And I was <laughs> like, I just met the dude. Super cool dude. Like, I, like I'm, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, my buddy Alex Lennox fought him. He beat Alex and my buddy Ben Simon uh, fought him and Ben Ben beat him. But those, those were a couple years ago. So and I grappled with him and he's a he's a very talented individual and uh, he actually beat me. So I'm I'm all about a, little, a rematch. You're right. But how old is he? I don't know. How tall is he? I don't know. Shorter than me. Oh. And uh, right away the fight was supposed to be at a uh, fifty one fifty five. But I told that pr- promoter that uh, I don't want to cut that weight anymore so i told him uh, i'll fight at 160 so we'll probably just do a catch weight at 160 which i think would be perfect for me uh-huh. i think my, my first fight was actually a catch weight at 160 oh uh, yeah i don't know let's we'll see what happens I'm, I'm more excited to give it a try uh so what is his style is his style jiu-jitsu also then do you well, think he's a he's he's an mma fighter i, I he's he's talented at jiu-jitsu i know that uh but i mean it, all mma fighters have something that they gear towards more than some of the other yeah i don't know that much about him i tried i tried watching some of his fights on youtube with the like six years old eight years old and i'm like oh that his style has could have been very much changed over the years so whatever happens happens i'm not going to train for him i'm going to train for you know get you get my stuff uh a little bit more fine-tuned and get my cardio up and uh make sure when i'm at work for my two weeks uh i got a uh adjustable kettlebell and then just run so i keep my weight down I'm excited. Like, Good, I'm excited too for you. Uh, so, uh, how long have you been riding motorcycle? Because that's that's one of your big hobbies is yes, motorcycle. Uh, well, I think my first motorcycle was a s- 1966, probably. 19. Plus. That's when you. That was the motorcycle. That was a year. That's the year that I think I started. 1966. And how old were you? Well, I'm, I was born in '54, so I'd have been 12. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Uh, I want to, I want to get Rayleigh, my daughter, uh, a little motorcycle, a little eighty or something like that, something three gears to shift. And I talked about you that the other day too. But I really, I grew up with horses, mm-hmm. and then I suppose it must have been about that time frame. My folks were going to buy me a bicycle because I didn't have a bicycle, and we went to the hardware store here, Schiller's Hardware. And that's when the monkey bikes were the big thing, you know, with the banana seat and mm-hmm, yep. the lay hangers and stuff. And they're looking at it, it's like, how's he going to get the cows with that? <laughs> so, so then I got a motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's... Why didn't you do that for me? <laughs> I didn't have any cows. Yeah. So anyway, from there on, I went from from Honda 50 to Yamaha 100 to Yamaha 350, and then I got into cars for a little bit, and then I got into the Harleys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you... uh. Oh, what was it? What was I just going to ask here? Uh, you got any uh, experiences like back back when uh, you started riding a motorcycle, or maybe the seventies or the eighties? It was very much frowned upon, like on the interstate, uh-huh. and cars didn't really give two shits. Uh, that it was tough, even though like even semi 
truck drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, we shared the road with them, but they, I mean, they, if they had a chance, they'd run you off the road. I oh, mean, really? Yeah. Yeah, we mm. were just, yeah, we were definitely, it was not a popular time to be a motorcyclist. I bought my first Harley in 1978. That was a Panhead? 1958 Panhead, yeah. yeah. And our first trip to Sturgis was in 2000 or ni- 1980, which your mother, I just found out she was pregnant with Marissa. Okay. So we were on a rigid frame Panhead and made her down there and back. And your mother, on the way back, was, well, first of all, we got down there and she said, I, I want you to go buy me a pillow. I said, for what? She said, to put it under my butt. <laughs> and I said, well, you know. Nobody uses pillows for their butt. She said, I don't care. I want a pillow. Yeah. So I went and bought her a little pillow, and we pulled into this campground, and this one gal comes running out, and she's looking. And she says, what's that? Said, that's a pillow she's for my butt. She says, oh, that's a great idea. So she went and got her big, big, big pillow, pillow yeah. and folded it over and put it on her seat. So your mother was, you know, that's back then. The seats were probably six inches wide. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, with, um, a, with a hard, hard foam in it. And, yep. Yeah. And so then... Uh, we spent the week down there riding around, and well, I, was, I think we, we left on either Thursday and we came back on Sunday. Raining, raining to get go on the way home. Uh, and, and then the same gal, my cousin Cindy, Ky, uh, Kylan, she pulls up and, you know, she's driving in the truck and her husband's you know, riding his bike. And she says, Paulette, you want to ride ride the truck with me? And Paulette says, nope, I'm doing this once and I'm going to make the whole trip. Yeah. <laughs> and so her rain gear consisted of a garbage bag with a hole in it for her head and a hole for each arm, you know, and yeah, that yeah. was her rain gear. Yeah, that's funny. I've, I've, I've done stuff like that at work. And so, yeah, that was that was our first trip to Sturgis. Yeah, I'm actually, August, Sturgis is the first two weekends of August. Well, it's the first full week. First full week of August. Yeah, I guess first two weekends would work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what I always would tell people. And I, I'm work wise, it kind of rolls through the whole. I miss I miss the whole Sturges, but uh, I was going to take time off for Sturges, but now I got to take time off for the fight. So this will be the second year in like five years that I got to miss going to Sturges. And my girlfriend wasn't very happy, but then she realized, well, you know, Matthew wants to fight, so. And I kind of want her to see me fight. That'd be cool. Make make sure she understands uh, how how nervous people get. And I get more nervous uh, watching my friends fight than for my fight. It's super weird. Sure, because you're focusing on two different things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so grandkids, you have how many grandkids do you have now? Fourteen. You have fourteen grandkids. Is that real? Is that a, no? Do you? <laughs> I got I have fourteen. Well, I, got, I would have thirteen nieces and nephews. Well, you know, when Matthew, uh, oh, Max, Max and, and married Katie, Katie, yeah, we got three more. So, yep. So, uh, how does, like, how does, like, when is the, I don't think we've got all the whole family together in a long time. We haven't, and it'll probably be difficult. Um, you know, especially with Math, Maxon's little Burnell. She's, uh, lives in Wisconsin and she doesn't make it back this way very often. No. So, and, and Rayleigh is a little more, not quite as difficult, but it's time sometimes tough to get her involved with the rest of us too. Yep, yep. Which is fine. I'm I'm planning on taking her at least one time, bringing her to Dickinson over the summer, but it's so much driving because I got to drive all the way to Minneapolis and the Minneapolis area and then drive all the way back to Dickinson, which is eight hours in itself. Well, back to Fargo when her mom picks her up. Uh, so grandkids, uh, you guys babysit a lot now. Is it like is it babysitting your grandkids kind of like parenting your kids when they were younger, or are you softer no. on them? Softer on the grandkids, yeah, much. <laughs> Why is that? 
I guess I it's not our job to be the parent. Uh, it's their job to be a, a a parent figure, though. Yeah. Because I see I see these little twerps running around now, and they do stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to put you in the garbage can. <laughs> That's why I was telling <laughs> Flint. I'm like, Flint, I'm going to put you in this garbage can and put you in the dumpster. And then I told that to Phoenix, too, and Phoenix is like, I don't want to go in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> and both those were, I had this all set up, so uh, they were playing podcasts. It was really funny. I'm going to send the the audio to their kid, their uh, parents. Yep. But yeah, grandkids, I mean, it's really s- sort of strange because, you know, they, they came sort of in groups, mm-hmm. like the first five, and they were all, all girls. Yep. And now this next five are sort of a mixture. Yep. You know, but they're all close together in age, so we have the three little boys that are really close together. Yeah, and, that, that's nice. And so it, it is cool. Uh so we're getting up onto that about half hour mark. Uh, what would you, if you could give any advice? Oh wait, you just. Uh, I want to talk about this. You're a uh, uh, county commissioner now. Yes, I am. How do you like that? It is fulfilling in a lot of ways. It's been six months since I've been um, since I got elected. Some stress, not really a whole lot of negative feedback that I know of from the people that voted for me. It doesn't seem, I, I don't feel that people are, sometimes people in public office are unapproachable. Mm-hmm. I feel that I'm very approachable. I mean, people know where they can find me. I get text messages. People come down here to see me. As long as, as you know, they they talk to me, um, not hollering and screaming and swearing, but, you know, just as, as two people should visit with each other about a problem. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm the road, road commissioner. It's been a really tough year so far for the roads because mm-hmm. your your county roads are dirt, and if there's no moisture, there's nothing to hold the dirt together. Yeah, yeah. As as a kid, when you'd make mud pies, you'd make the mud, you know, and mix the dirt in the water and make a pie, and you let it out to bake, and yeah. it would be hard. And that's the same with our roads. Now that they're dry, and they would hold together, well, now that they're dry... They're rough and they're breaking apart, and you can't blade them because you're just going to make them yeah. worse. But now we got some moisture, so I mean that's the one thing. The second thing is, you know, working with the IT committee. Um, there was some setbacks there, and you know, we we went through um, our first IT co- com- um, company left right when I got elected, the second one, things didn't work out. So we finally got our third one in there and they've been doing a great job. We had issues with our, our um, emails down in the county, which they've got everything up working again now. Yep. So, I mean, it's been um, very interesting working with different people and seeing some of the knowledge that's, you know, people have, it's just like, like, wow, I wish I knew some of that stuff. Right. So what does the, what does a county commissioner exactly do? Well, we, we all have portfolios. Like I have the road department, I have the IT department. I am on the portfolio for the law enforcement building. Um, you know, we're all on finance. You know, there's other people that have um, planning and zoning. I mean, there's just a list of, we all have our own little jobs. And and, and that's what we, we concentrate on. If people have problems with it, they, they find out who that commissioner is. Uh, one person's in charge of all, basically all the employees, you know, and, and um, 
So if it's so basically in your county or town, you find if you have questions about uh, political or city wise things, you they contact the if it's city. They'd contact their city commissioners. Okay, but they would contact the commissioner. Right. Okay, so that, yeah, that makes sense. I know I, I contacted the commissioner in Cass County, and I was asking them about uh, what they plan to do if they if this whole gun shabil with the president and stuff. And you know, I talked to him for about like a half hour, and he had some pretty good insight. And I know Cass, that was a big thing too. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? 701-590-9876. There you go. <laughs> uh, that come down to the bar and, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not I'm not that hard. I've got a, a Facebook page. Um, I had it set up for my county commission, but it's not. It, I don't know why I, that one I cannot surf through as easily as my, my personal one. But a lot of people contact me on Messenger through Facebook. Yeah. And um, give me, you know, we swap phone numbers and we call each other up and we talk. Right on. Uh, if you give any advice just for uh, maybe just a younger generation, not saying you're old or anything, but uh, what would be one good thing to tell them? Uh, not to th- put you on the spot or anything like that. Well, I guess, you know, the main golden rule in life is respect. Mm-hmm. And I think you get you get a lot further in life is if you're respectful, um, you know, set your goals, and and work for your goals and and don't give up on them. Sometimes you have to change your goals, but keep keep working for your goals. Okay. All right. Well, thanks thanks for having me on my first mobile podcast. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Yep, I'll do it again sometime if you want me to. Yep. Oh yeah. I just like I just want to do half hour in. in little half hour things for youtube and stuff makes it a little bit easier but bernie marsh uh this is my dad i love him i love you dad thank you for being on the broadcast love you too matthew marsh now remember when you're doing stuff always train hard do good be kind peace (laughs) that's me (laughs) thanks dad yep